0: Good evening. Good to see this large crowd here tonight. <laughs> I'm glad to have you with us there online. Hopefully, you're joining us there. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, both of those at HBC Tullahoma. YouTube's at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, just search for either one of those on those platforms. Uh, we do have a new phone number for our phone live streaming. If you're one of our uh, subscribers, you don't have to do anything. It'll still automatically call you. But if you don't answer when it calls, uh, you'll just have to call the the number that pops up on your ID there. Uh, you can call the church office tomorrow, we'll be glad to give you that number. We're just trying to control a little bit of our costs there uh, from where our previous number uh, had gotten out quite a bit to telemarketers. So. Um, and we were having to pay for those minutes that they were calling. So I encourage you to go to our church website, HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download our worship bulletin for this week. A lot of upcoming events. Uh, also to uh, just let you know too, where we are with our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering and our bulletin. This past Sunday was about 1,600. We had an offering this past Sunday, so I don't know what the totals are uh, for this week yet. Uh, but just continue to pray about giving uh, towards uh, that offering. Continue to pray for our North American missionaries, and so uh, you'll see that information in your bulletins there. Uh, You'll also have the opportunity to download the children's worship bulletins. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsill uh, over here. While you're there on the website, if you'll go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your giving online there, or you can drop it by the church anytime during our business hours, or you can mail it to us at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 373 And then just as a reminder for uh, those while you're there on the internet under the info tab, be sure to go ahead and get the prayer list downloaded. Uh, You'll make comments there in Facebook if you have any prayer request updates to give us. That's what we'll be following uh, live to to read those comments of any prayer requests. So be sure to update those. Give us any updates of any individuals that you may have. But you can download that list under the info tab uh, on the website there. Uh, also. And then don't forget that we do have a few. I've got two left right now, but we can print some more of the prophecy, Revelation prophecy charts. If you need one of those tonight in person, please see me. If you want one of those online, uh, just drop a comment there in the comments or send us an email to highlandbaptist.cafes.net or highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com. And then there's only a Very few of these left, uh, about two or three left. So if you need one of those, uh, please see me and we'll get you one of those uh, copies if you want that uh, in person there at the tables and down here by the side. So just wanted to remind you of all those things. Be sure to go ahead and make your comments there so that when we do get to prayer time, uh, you'll see those prayer requests. Brother Mike,
1: if you'll come. Take your hymnals and join us on page hymn two. Hopefully this will go with his sermon tonight. But we'll sing Holy, Holy, Holy. Miss Pat.
0: phone open there to Facebook, too, so if you have any comments, be sure to share those there uh, for any of our prayer requests that you have uh, tonight. Um, there's not a lot of updates that I have, uh, other than what you see on the prayer list already, uh, just do continue to remember brother Jack doubt and the issues that he was having physically as well as, uh, Steve Connor did good with his cataract surgery, but just pray that things will continue to go well there. Uh, we didn't have him on the prayer list last week. And then James Johnson, just as a reminder is at NHC, uh, at Tullahoma here. Uh, We do have on the prayer list Betty Prouty, who's a friend of Susie Barton. Remember uh, the passing of her uh, and and that family. And then also remember Brenda Brady Holder uh, and her her eye surgery coming up April the 12th. Erin Murray has hers uh, next Wednesday on the 6th. So we want to be uplifting her uh, in our prayers and then just continue to remember the people of Ukraine. Any other updates that you may have? of individuals on the prayer list or any that you need to add. Just take a moment, and especially if you're at home there, take a moment, uh, go ahead and take a look over that list, uh, make any comments there that you need to make. I don't see any others or know of any others, and I don't see any more comments there on Facebook. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer for these. Pray for the safety of people uh, tonight, this evening with the storms that are coming through, uh, and uh, just pray for God's will to be done. Let's uplift uh, all of these needs in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing and for how faithful you are. Father, you love us and you care for us and you're providing for us uh, many times when we don't even realize it because so many times we're not even looking. And so, Father, I pray tonight that as we uh, examine our hearts and as we come before your throne of grace, Lord, I pray that we will come in all humility, knowing, Lord, that you are the the creator of this universe. And, and Lord, you are our sustainer uh, who holds us in the palm of your hands, who uh, even though there are s- close to 7 billion people on the face of this earth, uh, Father, you still love each and every one of us individually. And so, Father, I pray that as we individually come before you together, even in a corporate time of prayer, I pray that you would hear our hearts, because there may be requests that we want to pray specifically, Lord, ourselves for uh, that are unspoken requests. And so, Father, I pray that you would hear uh, those prayers, too. And, Lord, we know for any prayer that we bring before you, for you to hear, if there is unconf sin in our hearts and our lives. You have told us plainly and clearly in your word that you will not hear from heaven. You will not answer from on high. And so, Father, I pray tonight that whatever there may be in our hearts and our lives, that we would confess any unconfessed sin before you. Uh, Lord, that you would hear our prayers, that our prayers would be powerful and effectual. There would be nothing hindering our prayer time with you. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, as we confess those sins, may you wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Lord, cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, and we just pray, God, that you will remember those things no more, and that you will help us, Lord, to receive that forgiveness and to press forward in our walk with you, growing deeper uh, in our our discipleship with you, uh, following you more faithfully, loving you more faithfully, and I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, have your hand upon us in a powerful, powerful way. Lord, uh, pray that you will be with each one of these tonight as we want to uplift all of these. Uh, Many of these are physical needs, and we know, God, that you are a miracle worker, Lord, that miracles are not just for the Bible days, miracles are even today, and we just want to pray, God, for your will to be done, for your healing hand to be upon each one of these individuals to bring the healing uh, that they need to their bodies. Father, touch them, and Father, as they reach out to you and calling out to you in prayer, Father, I pray that you will hear their prayers and our prayers on behalf of them and bring that healing, not only for their sake, but more importantly, for your name's sake. Lord, we want uh, these healing to be an opportunity of of bringing glory to your name as well as bringing good into the lives of these people. So we pray, God, that you will use these opportunities as a time of testimony and witness uh, to a lost and dying world around us of your saving grace and your mercy. Father, we continue to pray uh, for our missionaries and ask God for you to bless them and to keep them safe on the field wherever they are serving. Many are serving around the world. Uh, Some are in harm's way. Uh, And so, Father, we just pray for a hedge of protection about them. We pray for uh, continued good health. Uh, Father, we pray that you will continue to bless them and that their ministries will be fruitful as they continue to share the gospel uh, around the world and across North America. We pray for our missionaries. Uh, serving right here in tennessee Uh, and we pray for all the ministries even that our church itself supports and father I pray that uh, you will bless each one of those ministries whether it's the counseling ministry or the 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 pregnancy support ministry uh, Whatever it might be arrowhead ministry father I just pray that you will uh, just continue to pour out your blessings upon each and every one of them as they Continue lord to seek uh, to share the gospel with those who are lost and father we pray tonight Uh, For each person that's here, each person that's watching or listening online, Father, we know that as we've already begun in the book of Revelation, you have told us that there is a threefold blessing uh, when, when we come to look at this word here in the book of Revelation. There's a blessing for those who hear this word, there's a blessing for those who read this word, and there's a blessing for those who keep This word And so, Father, I pray that we will be faithful to keep your word as well as tonight when we hear and read your word. Father, help us to see the application for our hearts and for our lives and to find encouragement for the days ahead. Uh, Father, that no matter what has happened in the past and no matter where we are today in the present, there is a hope for us for the future. So bless us tonight as we continue studying the book of Revelation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, you may still make comments there if you want uh, for prayer requests uh, online. We'll come back and look uh, briefly at that at the very end just to make sure uh, that we didn't miss any. So go ahead and comment those, and we'll make sure to uh, make you aware of those uh, at the very end. Let me just encourage you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going to be tonight. And... Uh, we have a lot to look at here in chapter 4 as we get into the prophecy uh, here in in, chapter, in the book of Revelation itself. Chapter 4 is not only a new chapter uh, in this book of Revelation, it also brings us to an entirely different perspective. Uh, the outline for the book of Revelation can be found back in chapter 1 and verse 9. Uh, 19, sorry, in verse 19, where Jesus tells John, he tells him in verse 19, he says, Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. So you can really break down the book of Revelation into an outline of three points fits just right perfectly in a sermon. So for that last point, it's a lot of chapters and verses and we're not going to try to go through all that at once. But you could see here in verse 19, he says, write the things that you have seen. That's the things of the past tense. Uh, that's the things in the past there. And so the things which are seen refers to John's vision of the glorified risen Christ in the first chapter. The second division of the book uh, comes with uh, the things that are. Uh, that deals with the letters to the seven churches uh, that we've been studying in chapters two and chapter three. But of all, but all of the events which are to take place beginning in this chapter, in chapter four, and through the end of the book are all future events. Uh, they are events yet to unfold. Uh, they are yet to take place. Uh, these are the things which will take place after this now in the greek that the, that word that phrase there uh, the same greek phrase used for the words after this in verse 19 is also that we saw back in chapter 1 verse 19 is also the same phrase that's used to introduce chapter 4 and verse 1 so let's read chapter 4 and verse 1 to begin with after this i looked And behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Same Greek word as we saw back in chapter 1 and verse 19. So chapters 4 through chapter 22 makes up the most exhaustive picture of prophecy found anywhere in the word of God. Uh, First, there is an identification. Notice that John hears a voice, which he refers to as the first voice, which is the voice of the Lord Jesus that uh, John talks about back in chapter 1 and verse 10. In chapter 1 and verse 10, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice Like a trumpet. That's the first voice. So we see here in verse one, he's referring back to that voice. So he's wanting to bring us back full circle to chapter one, because he's been telling us all these things about the churches in those letters. And he's saying, I heard the first voice Uh, behind me. I heard this first voice. And so uh, there is an identification of who this voice is. This first voice is Jesus. Uh, Then there is an invitation. Jesus says to John, come up here. Now, up until this point, John had been seeing things from a human perspective, if you will. John had been seeing things from below. But now Jesus wants him to see things from above. He wants him to see things from God's perspective. So for the rest of the book of Revelation, John is going to be seeing things from God's point of view. That's important for us to remember as we're looking at these things, uh, because God is not bound uh, by time, and so we'll see that as we go through uh, these chapters. And so uh, one of the things I want to add here, too, is that uh, all of God's children need to see life from a heavenly perspective. Every one of us need to see that. And sometimes, you know, you'll ask a person how they're doing and, and they might respond something like, Well, pretty well under the circumstances. Well, I want to tell you that a child of God is never under the circumstances. We're always over the circumstances. It's true that according to this last book of the Bible, this world is headed for for trials and troubles and tribulations that are never before seen in the history of mankind. But none of us who are children of God should ever fear that because we already have our salvation. In fact, Psalm 46 and verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble and so we see there's this invitation come up here now i think i may have had this in the slides a couple of pictures between those verses okay let me show you these uh, pictures we'll start with the first one here and i don't know what you can see of it it's a little bit blurry i should have got a better picture uh, but you can kind of see somewhat Uh, I'll get you any of that information that you want. But in the uh, Revelation prophecy chart that you have, you see essentially the same things. And so uh, it has the letters to the seven churches. So if you'll notice the the pink section over here on the very left of this picture, it is what you have seen. That's the vision of the glorified Christ. Uh, And then you'll see some green and white stripes with gold up above. And it says the things which are. And those are the letters to the seven churches. So there's seven different categories. And you can see that on your sheets if you have those uh, with you. And so you'll see the letters to the seven churches. And then you'll notice uh, that there is a section in between. And then what looks like the edge of a scroll that says the seven sealed book. And then it goes through seven different things. uh, Some of the things that we're going to look at as we go through also. But between... The things which are, you'll notice at the very top of that whole scroll section, it says those are the things which shall be hereafter. Those are the things that are yet out in the future. So all of that that you see on your charts uh, that, that comes after the letters to the seven churches are things that are to happen out in the future. But that little gap that's between the letters to the seven churches and the beginning of the seven seals Is where if we were to to put the the rapture of the church in, that's where the rapture of the church would happen. I will tell you this, and the reason we're not going to go much into the rapture uh, in the book of Revelation is because the book of Revelation doesn't speak specifically about the rapture. The only thing that you could see of anything is here in chapter 4 and verse 1 where where the, the voice that he heard, the voice sounding like a trumpet, says, come up here. Uh, that's a catching up. That's a, a coming up. And there are some specific uh, Greek words that are there for that, but it's, it's not the word that we see that Paul uses over in his books. Now, there is proof of the, uh, that we can see through other places in the Scripture for a rapture, but not in this particular place. This is the only place. So if it was to fit in the timeline of the book of Revelation... Uh, that's where it would fit. And you'll see that on your charts. Uh, If you're at home and you have that chart with you, it's that gap right here that says rapture. Jesus Christ uh, comes for the church. Now, I will say this. Uh, There are two parts to the coming of Christ. There is the rapture, and then there is the second coming that we will see later after. Uh, If you'll go to the next slide, I believe it may be uh, on it. Yes. So you'll see the It happens right before this. My picture actually got distorted here. (laughs) But it's right before the millennial reign. You'll see the thousand years uh, there. And we'll talk more about that when we get to that thousand-year section uh, and and look at that when we get to the book of Revelation to look at when is the millennium. Uh, There are many different views about the millennium. There are many different views about the rapture. Uh, But the point of what we need to see from the book of Revelation is this, is that the whole book of Revelation is about God on his throne. Uh, Even as you begin to see all of these seven seals, these seven trumpets, the seven bowls, all of that that you'll begin to see, you may have to go back and click on the the, uh, beginning slide to get the image on the back. There you go. Uh, you'll you'll notice that it's all about the throne of God. So we've seen, first of all, uh, that there is an identification. We've seen that there's an invitation, and that's to come up hither. And that's why I wanted to stop for just a moment to talk uh, just briefly about the rapture there. Uh, Because if we were studying other scriptures uh, in in the Bible, we would see that uh, more plainly and clearly. But you don't see that in the book of Revelation, so we're not going to, other than this one place, come up here. uh, And then I'll show you these things that are yet... To take place, we do see an illustration though, because the Lord says to John, I will show you things which must take place after this. And so, the very first thing that God shows John is the throne room of heaven. And so, you need to keep in mind that the focal point, as I said a while ago, of the book of Revelation is the throne of God. Revelation begins with the throne of God. Uh, Think about that. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 4. Chapter 1 and verse 4 says this. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And, And so it begins automatically there in the book of Revelation at the throne of God. Go all the way over to the very end of the book of Revelation. Revelation and chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3 says, No longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And so it begins with the throne of God, it ends with the throne of God. And so 12 times in this chapter that we're going to look at in chapter 4 and 46 times in the whole of the book of Revelation, God's throne is mentioned. And so anything when we studied about how to study scripture, when you see something repeated, whether it's in a section of verses or in a whole chapter or even the whole book, You need to pay attention to what that's talking about. So 46 times is a lot of times that something's being talked about in the book of Revelation Is the throne of God. God's throne is mentioned there. And so immediately we're ushered along with John into this control room, if you will, uh, of the universe where God is on his throne. Sometimes we think that everything in the universe revolves around this little planet called Earth. Uh, Well, I have news for you. The entire universe revolves around the throne of God. It's not about us. It's about God. And so everything in this universe uh, and and universes beyond uh, revolves around the throne of God. And so if you want to understand the book of Revelation, remember this fact. God is on his throne And God is in control. So no matter what we see in any prophecy, in any revelation that we see uh, throughout the book of Revelation, always keep that in mind. No matter how terrifying it may seem, God is on his throne and God is in control. And so as David said long ago, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So if, if you could walk into heaven right now you would see exactly what John saw. Your mind and your thoughts and your attention would be drawn to the very same thing that John was drawn to, the throne of God. You would see and experience the same thing that he did. And so notice the sovereign upon the throne. That's the first point we want to see tonight in verses 1 through verse 3, the sovereign Upon the throne. So the very first thing that catches John's attention uh, is not the pearly gates, is not the streets of gold, it's the throne of God. Let's pick up with verse 2. He says, At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Well, more particularly, what we're seeing, his focus here, is not just the throne, but who's sitting on the throne. God. And so we notice about God several things in these two verses. He's a mysterious God. John tries to describe God, but, but he has to use a simile, if you will. He has to say what well, God is like and then puts it into some term that we can imagine. And so it's beyond our comprehension, really. But it says he has the appearance of jasper in verse 3. Revelation chapter 21 verse 11 tells us that this jasper was clear as crystal. In ancient times, uh, jasper was an opaque stone, but here we're told that it was clear as crystal. In other words, it's more like our diamonds uh, of today, and that refers to the radiance and the brilliance of God. Uh, You know, a diamond is valuable because of its flawlessness, uh, because in its very character there is no blemish, there is no blot. And so it's showing us a a good picture there uh, of who God is, uh, of the beauty of our our wonderful God. Uh, but he was also, uh, as we see in these verses, he was like a carnelian. Some verse, some versions will say sardius stone. Uh, now this is a stone that's a red, a blood red stone in its color, which is probably referring to the blood sacrifice uh, of Jesus Christ. In, in the Old Testament, if, and this is where lots of things we're going to see in the book of Revelation, we'll go back to the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, the high priest would wear a breastplate. And on that breastplate would be some jewels. There'd be 12 jewels. And the first jewel that's mentioned is the jasper stone. And the last jewel that's mentioned is the sardius stone or the carnelian stone. Exodus chapter 28, uh, verse 17 to 20. And, and so what we see in this picture here is that the jewel w- was God's people. Uh, the high priest was God's representative. And so what it's saying to us is, is that these jewels were a reminder that God's people were always on God's heart. That's where the stones Rested closest to with the high priest, his heart. And that's what it was representing as he was the representative to, to go in before uh, the Holy of Holies, the throne of thrones there. Uh, he was the one who would, who would wear that breastplate as a representation there. The stones are us, the 12 stones, meaning the 12 tribes then, as we'll see more of this uh, in just a moment, uh, showing us that we are always on his heart. Now, Now, God may never be on your mind. But you're never out of the mind of God. Psalm 40 verse 5 says this. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We also see that he's a majestic God. Now notice here in verse 3. It says that around the throne, around it, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Uh, now, this is a strange rainbow because if you read actually in some of the other versions, you'll notice that this rainbow is not the way we see our rainbows. Uh, that's a half arc. Uh, this is a full circle rainbow. Uh, that's all the way uh, around the throne now you may have seen that sometimes sometimes you can kind of see a similarity of an image like when you look at the moon uh, on a on a clear night that that has some uh humidity moisture in the air you'll see a ring around the moon in the daytime if the sun was shining through that you would see the prism of the light Uh, that would show you like a rainbow of that in a circle. Uh, And so that's why even today when we see our rainbows, it's the ground that interferes with the rest of the rainbow that makes it that half arc. When you get to the ground, that eliminates what we would see through the the atmosphere and through the air uh, there. And so in this picture we see it's a circular rainbow, not a half circle like we normally see. The circle is a perfect geometric figure. It has no ending and it has no beginning. And that's a representation of who God is. He has no beginning. He has no ending. So it represents the eternality of God, his absolute perfection. You see, if you could put us on a graph, we would be a straight line because we have a beginning and we have an ending. And it's what you do with the dash. If you see your, your tombstone, you have your, your date of birth, your year of birth, your, uh, your, de- your date of death. Uh, and it's what we do with that in between. We're on a linear uh, line because we have a beginning and an ending. Uh, but God would be a circle, would have to be a circle because God has no ending and, and no beginning. Uh, but also notice this rainbow, uh, as we notice here in verse 3. It says that it had the appearance of what? an emerald what color is an emerald green that's kind of strange that we would see that in the bible green is the color of life when a tree uh, or a plant is is living uh, it's green Now remember as well that in the Bible, the rainbow is a sign and a symbol of God's covenant of faithfulness. It's a sign that God is true to his word. Remember when he made the first rainbow? The first rainbow in the Bible was given to show that the storm was over. God would never flood the earth like that again and and totally destroy mankind and everything on the face of the earth like that again. It was a symbol and a sign to us. A rainbow is a reminder and a sign to the people of God that in heaven there are no more storms. There's no more pain. Uh, there's no more suffering. There's no more sickness. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. There's no more dying. There's no more grief. There's no more guilt. There is only life everlasting, joy unspeakable, and full of glory, growing in the presence of the God of God, always in that emerald color uh, of the rainbow. There, He is also a magnificent God. A magnificent God. Now, we're going to come back to verse 4, so skip to verse 5, if you will. Verse 5 says, From the throne came, and this is, hopefully we don't have the storm here yet. (laughs) From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Now what we saw with this rainbow is that it not only signals that one storm is over, it also signals that another storm is just beginning. Uh, Lightning and thunderings are the beginning of a storm that is brewing. I mean, you can hear uh, the thunder a long distance away. You can see the flashes of lightning a long distance away before the storm ever actually gets to where you are. It's a signal the storm is brewing, the storm is coming. And so these storm signals coming from the throne of God are there to tell us uh, of the wrath and the judgment of God that is yet to come on this sinful, rebellious world. The next several chapters of this book are taken up with seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of judgment, entire nations Today, laugh and mock at the very existence of God. They believe that they control their own destiny by their own power and by their own might. Uh, They don't realize what Isaiah 40 and verse 15 and verse 17 says. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Understand that this world has one more appointment it's going to keep with God. Because God is going to have the last word. God is going to have the last say. And according to Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4, God is also going to have the last laugh. And so then I want you to move back to verse 4. Back in verse 4, you see the servants around the throne. You see the servants around the throne in verse 4. So verse 4 says, Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So who are these elders? Uh, these, these individuals, uh, these uh, f- 24 uh, elders who are gathered and surrounding the throne of God? Uh, well, it's really best for John uh, to answer that himself, and I believe he does do that because we're told over in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 12 through verse 14 that there are gates in heaven. It says this, uh, speaking about heaven, It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles, of the Lamb. So if you remember your Old Testament, there were how many tribes in Israel? There were 12. When you think about the New Testament, Jesus had close to him, how many disciples? 12. So you have the 12 nations, uh, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. You have the 12 apostles. That 12 plus 12 equals 24. That's who we believe these 24 are. Each one of those gates had a name of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Each one of the 12 foundations had a name of one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. In other words, these 24 elders represent the saints of the Old Testament and the saints of Of the New Testament. It represents the redeemed of the Old Testament and those redeemed in the New Testament who have died and gone to be with God. And there's oftentimes a misunderstanding, even by Christians, as to how people in the Old Testament uh, were were saved. Uh, There's a misconception that people in the Old Testament were maybe saved by the law while people in the New Testament are saved by grace. But that's not true. Everyone who goes to heaven has to be saved, and everybody has to be saved the same way. God's way of salvation has been the same always, by grace through faith. That's why you have Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that tells us about the saints of the Old Testament. And every single one of those saints that it lists, what does it say about them? two words always by faith by faith abraham by faith isaac by faith jacob every one of those grace by faith Uh, and so uh, they were saved the same way we were saved by grace through faith Uh, there are some who are saved by looking forward to jesus and that's what the old testament people were doing they were looking forward to the coming uh, of the messiah we as New Testament believers and the people in the New Testament were looking backwards to Christ who had already come, who had already died uh, on the cross. And so whether you were looking forward or whether you're looking backwards, they're both looking at the same place. They're both looking at the Messiah. They're both looking at Jesus. They are both uh, by grace, uh, saved by grace through faith. And so we're told that these elders notice what they were. They were clothed uh, in, in white in white garments. Uh, Now that refers uh, to their sanctification, to their being set apart, to their purity. But then we're told that they had golden crowns on their heads. That refers to their service. Now there are two words for crown In the Greek language, one word refers to the crown of a king and the other uh, word refers to the wreath or the crown that would be given uh, to a victor in in an athlete race or like in the Olympic uh, Games, a wreath that would be placed uh, upon their head. And that's the word that's used here uh, in this verse. So they're clothed in white garments with golden crowns uh, on their heads. Uh, These weren't crowns of royalty. These are crowns of victory. Because we've seen in every one of those letters that we looked at, he also talked about those who overcome those who have ears to hear, and those who overcome, those who win the victory. And so that's who he's talking about. So we're told in Revelation 1, verse 6, that God has made us kings, so we receive crowns, and God has made us priests, so we receive robes of righteousness. And that's the two things that he's talking about from Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. And so now I want to take you back to the scene before the throne. Uh, when we pick up again here with verse 5. So as, as great as, the God, as God is on this throne, and as wonderful as the throne is itself, just as intriguing is the scene that's going on before the throne. So notice in verse five, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire. Now remember the number seven. Remember, we have our little chart with numbers. What does seven mean? Perfection, completeness. There's only one Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so here we see the Holy Spirit before the throne of God pictured as a torch or a lamp of fire. Both fire and light are symbols of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 4, he's called uh, by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit uh, of burning. Uh, And so this tells us the twofold function of the Holy Spirit. His first job uh, of the Holy Spirit is to cast light on the glory of Jesus. That's what Jesus told us he would do. He would speak of himself. He would speak of Jesus and and point people to the truth of Jesus. That's his job, to illuminate, to magnify, to glorify the person, the ministry uh, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus even sent the Holy Spirit to continually testify. of That's why he said to his disciples, I have to go so I can send the Holy Spirit. So this picture we're seeing here is of the Holy Spirit in his, in his job. One of his aspects of his job here uh, to shine light, cast light on the glory uh, of Jesus. But it's it's also the job of the Holy Spirit to be the prosecutor uh, of the human race. It's his job, as John tells us in John chapter 16 and verse 8 and 9, to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin. So both today in the hearts of those who are lost and tomorrow in the future in the hearts of a lost world, the Holy Spirit, as the prosecuting attorney, will bring the airtight case of judgment and condemnation upon those who have rejected God's precious Son. So go to verse 6, if you will. So in before the throne, again we get this picture of before. Before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne... Are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind now understand there we talked about this before when we would get into uh, the interpretation here of the book of Revelation there's going to be many things that are not literal uh, they're they're um, symbolic and so that's what we see here uh, this is not a literal sea but it's rather something that uh, he says as it were it's like a sea of glass like Crystal. It's not crystal, but it's like crystal. It's not really literally a sea of glass, but it's like a sea of glass. And so this sea of glass it really finds its equivalent in the Old Testament in the sea of brass. In First Kings chapter seven and verse twenty-three, if you remember, in the description there, there was the uh, of the of the tabernacle. There was the bronze laver in the temple. It was a, a basin, a bowl, big, huge bowl, if you will, that was filled with water, where the priest would come and and, and wash uh, before he could offer up uh, his sacrifices, because he had to be clean before he could stand uh, for the people before the Lord in the Old Testament. This was a symbol of the Word of God, just like, in, just like water in the New Testament is a symbol of the water of God. We're told in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, it says uh, th- that we are, that we might sanctify her, having cleansed her, the church, by the washing of water with the Word. And so uh, here it's not a sea of water, it's a sea of glass. So this still stands as the Word of God, but now rather than washing it, which we don't have to do uh, because that was the Old Testament practice, uh, because here we're clean forever because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Notice what happens uh, with this uh, bowl, with this this laver here. Notice he says, uh, and before the throne there was, as it were, sea a glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, he goes on to describe those, uh, and and what we find out is that they are they're standing, uh, and and so we stand on, uh, we stand on it. In fact, John tells us in Revelation chapter 15. And verse two on the sea of glass, he says, I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. So the only basis that we have of standing before God is his word. And one of these days, we're going to join that heavenly throng. We're going to stand on the promises of God because of the word that is forever fixed, the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. And we can know today and be sure of our foundation for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. we sing a song, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his what? In his excellent Word, In his excellent word. So notice then verse 7. So now we get to that description of the living creatures. The first living creature, like a lion, and the second living creature, like an ox. So get the picture. They're not really a lion. They're not really an ox. He says it's like like a lion, like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and the day and, and, day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come." Now, if you'll remember uh, back in verse 6, it said those four living creatures, Full of eyes in front and behind. Now again, in verse 8, it says, full of eyes all around and within. What do you think that's meaning there or saying? If I have eyes in the front, and you know your mama always has them in the back of her head, right? <laughs> What's that mean? She sees what you're doing back there. When you got eyes all around, it's saying that God sees everything around us. These living creatures see everything uh, around. So we're told of these four living creatures. One like a lion, one like a calf, one like a man, one, uh, one like uh, an eagle. Ezekiel tells us and calls these creatures cherubim. And over and over in the Old Testament, God is called the one who dwells between the cherubim. Notice there are four of these living creatures. Four in our numbers is what? The number of what? Anybody got your chart? The number of the world. It's the number of the world. How many seasons are there? Four. Four. There's four points to a compass, north, east, south, and west. This is the number of earth, the number of creation. And and this is this is God's way of picturing all creation. Praising the Lord. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 8, the Lord made a covenant with all of his creation. He made a covenant with Noah, the birds, the cattle, the beasts of the earth. Here in verse 7, we see those same representations. Lion represents the beasts of the earth, a calf represents the cattle, the man represents Noah, eagle represents the birds. And so now the reason creation is represented is because God isn't finished with his creation yet. This world isn't the way God created it, nor is it the way God intends for it to be. And so God has made a promise to remake, to remold, to reshape this world, to restore it to its pristine purity and unblemished beauty. God's good creation, even though today the Bible tells us in the New Testament that it is a groaning creation, Creation one day it's going to be a glorious creation. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so God has made a promise that one day the lion is going to lie down with the lamb. Uh, the 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 swords will be beaten into plowshares, uh, and and that the glory of his of, of the Lord will fill all of. The earth. That emerald rainbow represents God's eternal covenant that He will surely keep not only with us, His human creation, but also with the physical creation. And that glorious and marvelous fact leads us to the last significant experience that John has here in chapter 4 the shouts around or unto the throne. And we see that again in the last part there, uh, verse 8 down through verse 11. So if you want to know what's going on in heaven uh, all the time, day and night, I can tell you in one word, praise, worship. If you want to know what we're going to be doing when we get to heaven, You can see it in these last verses. Whatever else is going to be in heaven, it's going to be a loud place for the shouts of the saints that is going to reverberate through the halls of heaven for all eternity. There's the shouts of acclamation we're told that these four living creatures in verse eight uh, these four living creatures are are in in essence god's cheerleaders Uh, notice what they say uh, at the end of verse eight holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come so remember they represent the four living creatures represent the the rest of creation outside of human kind creation And so they are praising the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so they're continuously, without end, not resting, uh, praising and acclaiming God for who he is. He is a holy God, a God of purity. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is a God of authority. He is also the God who was and is and is yet to come even. He is the God. God who is eternal. You see their shouts of acclamation, but you also see the shouts of adoration. We find out that this praise is contagious. So not only is the creation praising God, the elders, the redeemed, are not going to let these living creatures outdo them. Notice verse 9. It says, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the 24 elders... They decided, hey, we're going to do even one better. They fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, and we'll see what they say uh, in just a moment. So we find out that this praise is contagious. So they begin joining in the worship. They begin praising the Lord uh, saying, as verse 11 says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you, Christ created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Now that word worthy is in its root meaning means valuable. God is the MVP if you will. He's the most valuable person uh, in this entire universe. He is the resource and the substance of all creation. He is the sustainer of our lives. Uh, he, He Everything that has been made was made by him. Everything has been created to bring glory to God. All things were created by his power and all things were created for his pleasure. And so no matter what else you're doing on this earth, no matter how well you're doing it, it's a total waste. You were put here to accept his power and to give him his pleasure, because He alone is worthy, and you need to be shouting adoration to Him. Then notice also the shouts of appreciation, the shouts of appreciation. Notice in verse ten again, the twenty-four elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And notice what the, what did they do? They cast their crowns before the throne. Now the Bible passages speak of several crowns that'll be given to those who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the, the crown for those who win souls. There's the crown of righteousness. There's a crown of glory given to God's faithful servants. But, there's, but those crowns won't be for us to put on our shelves and, and to admire for ourselves, to show off to our friends. They're gonna be for us to cast at his feet when we reali- as we realize that these crowns were from him. And these crowns were through him, and these crowns were by him, and therefore for him. And so I have no need of this crown. I need to give it to him. I wonder when we join that throng, throng around the throne, will you have a crown to cast before him, or will you be empty-handed? So this is a picture of God that ought to shape our prayers and ought to shape our praise. Let me tell you this, if you don't like praise, you're not going to like heaven. I agree with Dr. A.W. Tozier who once wrote this. He said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. I'm becoming more and more convinced that heaven is just going to be one gigantic praise and worship service in adoration of our heavenly Father and King. And no one can praise God until you begin to see God as he is. But when you see God as he is, you will praise God as he ought to be praised. Praise is simply the result of having a correct vision and understanding of who God is. And that's why John is given this vision at the beginning of who God is. Before we get into all the tribulation, before we get into all the trials and all the suffering that's going to come, where's God? Where's God in all of this? On his throne. On his throne. Keep giving him the praise and the glory and the worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful passage here in the book of Revelation in chapter 4. And, Father, I just pray that you will begin to solidify those important things for us, Uh, Lord, to not get hung up on where's the rapture in this uh, or, or some other trivial thing, Lord, but to see what was the point of all this chapter. The point was to point us and to give us a vision of seeing the throne of God, the one who deserves all of our worship and praise. Not only then... But even now, so father, I pray that we'll start practicing for heaven even now, Lord, that we'll start worshiping you and praising you as you deserve. And we know that the only way for that to happen is for us to see you as you are. And for us to see you as you are, we must draw closer to you. Than we've ever been before. Give us that hunger. Give us that thirst for your word and for your presence. And Father, I pray that we'll spend more time with you than ever before and we'll be drawn into your presence. And Father, I pray that as we do, may that affect our worship and our praise of you today and for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us there online. We look forward to seeing you back Sunday. Uh, Sunday morning we'll be at 9.15 for Sunday School, 10.30 for Worship. We'll be online at 10.30 on all of our social media platforms there. Uh, Were there any prayer requests that were there? I don't see any, but I see that we had several who were watching, so glad to have you watching with us tonight. Uh, We look forward to seeing you this Sunday morning. You have a blessed week, and you stay safe tonight.